Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel, Brendan Glasheen with Brandon Anderson and Jill Gallant. We bring you the Week 18 NFL recap show. Just after midnight here on the East Coast, Sunday Night Football has wrapped up. Lions and Packers will dive in momentarily. Just want to give you all an idea of what we have coming up on the show. Typically, we nitpick, pick apart these games and really try to get thoughts looking ahead to the following week. Well, we will do that, but spend more time on the playoff picture because that is now set. That will be our gigantic look ahead section of the pod. Typically that's one game in the following week and there's no Monday night football, of course. Uh, Well, there is Monday night football, but you get my point. No Monday night football tomorrow. There's Monday night football in the playoffs, but we will break down the bracket and do our gigantic look ahead section. But before we do so, we're going to rifle through these games from week 18. We'll begin with the lions and the Packers The Lions with the upset in a game that ended up not meaning anything. They cover plus four outright winners, 20 to 16. Brandon, we'll start with you. Quick thought here. Yeah, the Lions played the part of the Packers here. Jared Goff outplayed Aaron Rodgers. The Lions outplayed the Packers. The Lions were the smart, disciplined team. They were coached well. They made the right decisions. The Packers, we had the Rasul Douglas right before the half. Hits a guy, gets 15 yards, sets up an easy field goal. Quay Walker, the linebacker, gets ejected late in the game for pushing a trainer this week of all weeks. We got delay of games from Green Bay at home. These are bad coaching and discipline mistakes. Those are the things you figure Detroit makes on the road in the playoff setting. You figure Green Bay doesn't do that stuff and wins because of it. Look, I I thought the refs were in Green Bay's pocket. We'll put it that way. And Detroit came to Green Bay in the face of all those fans, in the face of some very questionable calls. Jamal Williams, former Packer, two touchdowns, breaks Barry Sanders' record, sixth multi-touchdown game of the season, uh, led the league in rushing touchdowns. That was a huge long shot that none of us were on before the season. Man, Jared Goff, in the cold, got it done. and. You know, Aaron Rodgers, C-H-O-K-E, is that where we're going with this? Aaron Rodgers is trending on Twitter. Not great. Not great for Green Bay. Yeah, interceptions at Lambeau to end the season and not pretty at the end of games in a big spot, Aaron Rodgers. Jill, is this the last of Aaron in Green Bay? I think it could be. I think there's going to be maybe a splash in Vegas, maybe. Uh, I don't, it, it'd be interesting to see a nice little reunion between him and Devonte. There's a lot of salary cap gymnastics. The Packers would have to, to even move on from him, but uh, yeah, the ultimate choke job by the Packers. And uh, now that both them and the lions are eliminated, we don't have to talk about him again for the rest of the year. Phenomenal games with meaning. Of course, this game could have had meaning, but it did it at the end of the day, Detroit and green Bay because well, it did for the Packers going in, but they didn't win the game. So they're out. Lions are out. Tennessee-Jacksonville was a great game Saturday, at least the drama down the stretch, fourth quarter. You got Dobbs v. Trevor Lawrence, number one pick, a third-string quarterback. This game to decide the AFC South, and the Jags got it done. Same score, 20-16. to Titans cover, however, plus six and a half. Jags win the South. Jill, I'll start with you because I don't mean to just, just spitting facts here, pal. On the Best Bets episode, you go. said, hey, 
Tennessee money line. Give it to me. They're going to take yeah. these guys down. Tennessee is a dog. We talked about it on the best bets podcast, a, a dog in the division. Mike Vrabel more rest, Mike Vrabel and uh, a defensive touchdown to break your heart. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those trends did pertain to a spread, not necessarily True. a money line. So again, they, they did help out somebody that we do know that would be uh Brandon who did cover the six and a half plus locking in the under to get a nice plus two seventy win for the best bets pod. But uh, yeah, I think we just found out why Josh Dobbs never really got a shot as an NFL quarterback because the unite you need to have pocket awareness and he did not. And he got sacked from behind, which led to that fumble. And I'm not sure if Tannehill that would have happened, but if Tannehill plays this game, I think the Titans win this game handily. And if, I'm just going to quote Uncle Rico, like not a doubt in my mind, like, you know, that that was going to happen. Right. So, um, you know, the Jags recover to score the game winning touchdown. Jaguars are in the playoffs now. They'll see the Chargers and they'll be hosting them as uh, right now about point and a half uh, underdogs. You know, and I kind of feel bad not going to Brandon first on this because worst to first was one of our first bets discussed on this podcast this season between the three of us, the season long look ahead awards podcast way back when in August or early September. And the Jaguars got it done for you, Brandon. They did plus 800 worst to first. I know a lot of you folks were tailing on that one. I kept doubling down. I think I bet it again about a month in. I bet Jaguars playoffs. I bet Titans to miss the playoffs multiple times. And you know what? Let me just be honest. Didn't deserve it. Did not deserve it. The Titans ended the season on a half season losing streak. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think the better team won the division. I'm not sure the better team won the game. Doesn't matter. We'll take our cash either way. And the standings are all that count at the end of the day. The Jaguars end up winning the division by two games. But look, this game, Jacksonville, really not a great performance by them. This was a Tennessee script all the way. Derrick Henry running the ball. Defense, ugly Mike Rabel football. This this is absolutely the game Tennessee wanted. And, I mean, you can't let Dobbs get that strip six there. But without that, which, by the way, the NFL reviewed for, what, like two seconds? They're like, after review, we really don't need more Titans in the NFL. Jaguars touchdown. Congrats. Make the playoffs. So That's a, a good way of putting it. Yeah. Jaguars had 222 yards in this game. They did not have a first down from the mid-third quarter forward. They had 13 first downs all game. They ran 25 fewer plays against, may I remind you, a team that ended on the season on, I think, an eight-game or seven-game losing eight. streak. You got it right. Eight. Seven eight. and two to seven and ten. Yeah. So, look, the Titans defense was good. We said that we, we had the case for it. But, you know, there's, I think there'd be a lot of excitement for a young Jacksonville team in the playoffs. They get the home game. This was not a good performance by the team. They, they got in. That's all that matters now. Play the next game. But this is not really the team that you want to be backing for a deep run right now, I think. Again, we'll get thoughts on the bracket specifically later on in the pod. We'll dive into the Jags, their matchup with the Chargers in the AFC playoff mix. And we'll rifle through some more of these games. We'll start. Uh, we'll get go one by one now. Buffalo, New England, what a scene. DeMar Hamlin, great news and update on him throughout the course of the week. You could get the sense based on some pregame interviews and just the way the atmosphere looked. They honor the, the, the training staff folks of Buffalo and the work they did uh, on site in Cincinnati. The game that was eventually canceled. The game is played and then a kickoff return for a touchdown by Naheem Hines. He did it not once, but twice in the game. Final score, 35-23. Buffalo secures the two seed. They cover seven, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, whatever you got. Mostly eight, eight and a half when that game uh, got started. Brandon, Buffalo's the two seed. Pretty nice day for the Bills. Pretty good day. And man, just chills on that opening kickoff touchdown. Again later, look, DeMar Hamlin, number three. Josh Allen says after the game, it's been three years and three months since the Bills last return to kickoff for a touchdown. Mac Jones at three interceptions. He got in on the three fun. I Heck, at that point, I thought Naheem Hines was going to return another kick for a touchdown, so he'd have three. We we're just all in on the theme. Mm. The sequence for me that really defined the game. So right out of the half, the Patriots are driving and really weren't going away. They hung around much longer. Right? I think we all saw the opening kickoff and we we're like, here we go. Bills by 50. This game is over, right? Yeah. Patriots hung around. They're driving down. 
The Bills defense really saved this for them. They picked Mac Jones off at about the five, then immediately turn it right back over, then hold again and hold the Patriots to a field goal, 17-14. And then off that field goal is when Naheem Hines returns the following kickoff for the touchdown, and then it was all Buffalo again. But that defensive stand, if Buffalo's going to do this thing, it has to be that. It can't just be Josh Allen doing everything. And I thought that was a really key moment for this team because, man, it could have it gotten away the other direction. But pretty cool to see. Obviously, the Patriots are out here. Mac Jones, rough way to end the season for them. Based on that result, Jill, there was potential for the Pittsburgh Steelers with New England losing to squeak in. Pittsburgh 28-14. They defeat Cleveland. They cover two and a half points. Pittsburgh misses, but Mike Tomlin's over 500 once again. Yeah, and got to give credit to him going 7-2 after the bye with this quarterback uh, because Kenny Pickett just needs to be way better. Uh, like, I know that obviously we we got these wins, but 184 passing yards per game, you know, his completion percentage is around 63%. That's in the bottom half of starting quarterbacks. If we could see some offseason improvement for them, I could definitely see them contending for an AFC North title and maybe making the playoffs as well. But uh, I think my biggest takeaway from this game is I got to pour one out for Deontay Johnson. Uh, Deontay Johnson was one of my favorite anytime touchdown score bets that you could make. You could always get him around plus 225 in that offense. And he set the single season record for most targets and receptions without a touchdown. So again, uh, you could probably see him get traded in the offseason, especially with the way that the Steelers, the way that they groom wide receivers and the way that they can really uh, branch out, especially the emergence of George Pickens. So uh, that's my biggest takeaway is that uh, Deontay Johnson's got to get out of Steel City and uh, Mike Tomlin is the coaching edge. At least he'll be happy you shouted him out probably plenty during the touchdown show this year at Action Network. Deontay yeah, more more like what did we do buy sell segments. And I was like, every week I was like, I got, I got to sell them. I, until I see the touchdown, I'm not betting it. And we didn't. <laughs> so back to that Buffalo New England result and this game between Pittsburgh and Cleveland that had some meaning and it reflected the chances for the Miami Dolphins hosting the New York Jets. Jets are out, so nothing to play for. And this one was uh, awfully, awfully sloppy. Brandon Anderson, 11-6. Miami does win. There's a weird safety at the end of the game uh, to get the cover. So good on you. If you bet the Dolphins on the side, three and a half, four. Miami is the seventh seed in the AFC playoffs. Yeah, absolute brutal beat. If you were on the Jets on this game to, to literally, I wrote in my notes, first half, my only note is first touchdown wins. Well, we never got one. No touchdowns apparently win in this game. But when you're going three points at a time to get the Jets at plus four, you're feeling like this is just found money at this point. Like it's absolute lock. And then, of course, the pitchy, pitchy, woo, woo, SVP play at the end for the safety. They didn't even it wasn't even live. They ended the score goes nine, six and they go away from the game. And then I, I remember noticing the ref puts up the two hands for safety. and I'm like, oh, no. And then, of course, they come back later and add it on there. So I, I think absolutely brutal beat on that. I was on the under, pretty easy under here, under for Dolphins team total, under for the spread. It did not feel like this was one of these teams should get in the playoffs. Joe Flacco and Skylar Thompson, oof, not great. 301 yards combined passing. This was a baseball score. And please, for the sake of us watching at home, don't let Skylar Thompson start a playoff game. We will discuss the quarterback ramifications for the Dolphins. If it's Tua, if it's Teddy, if it's Thompson, we'll discuss that when we break down the matchup with Buffalo. Okay. Well, we'll get to Brandon in a minute on this, but uh, we'll go to Seattle and Los Angeles. Seahawks win 19-16. They're in the playoffs based on the result between the Lions and the Packers. Rams, though, cover plus six, a big play on the Action Network podcast, bets, best bets episode. Jill, Seahawks are in as the seventh seed, and uh, unfortunately, yours truly here did not deliver on the Rams' money line pick, but the spread got there. Yeah, I was going to say the Rams cover, but money line, not so much. And I uh, wanted mm. to apologize uh, on your behalf. But uh, overall, just a pretty sloppy game. I mean, it wasn't great football, what you were watching, even if it had playoff ramifications. Like, And I don't think anybody really wants the Seahawks in the playoffs other than Brandon, who's betting, you know, plus 1,500 to make the playoff odds like at the beginning of the season. 
just because like imagine winning a game despite going one for 11 on third down and your quarterback <laughs> throws two picks and you still win the game like it just Seattle backdoored their way into that the Packers gave it to them I don't even know if it's really worth like you've seen the line climb now we'll talk about this a little bit more about them playing the 49ers and how that line is getting out of control because people are just hammering the 49ers right now so uh Rams uh might see a different coach too Sean McVay there's some rumors that he might jump to the booth as well so there could be some uh turmoil in uh LA okay Brandon C Hawks, I was ready this time. Seattle, let's go. Yes. Plus 1,500. We had that one back from October. We we weathered some storms on Seattle Island, but (laughs) Seattle Island back in the playoffs, baby. And you know what? I uh, spoke with my editor uh, just before the show. I will be writing the Seattle Island playoff game preview for Seattle versus San Francisco. And uh, the weather, the stormy weather may be coming back because Seattle's in. We got our 1500, but let's just say I probably won't be purchasing any more Seattle futures with our winnings. All right. Well, that's a somber end of the story, but I would, (laughs) I would take it and run as well. Take, take your drifting Island and go build another one somewhere with your winnings. Okay. Uh, This, this is, this one's funny. Uh, This, this means, Jack shit. I'll just say it means jack shit to what the playoffs look like. But Houston, Indianapolis, uh, Brandon is is a laugher here because of how this game ended. Wow. Uh, 32 to 31, your final score uh, between these two teams today. Uh, what a what a finish. Houston wins. So now the Texans don't get the number one pick. Lovey Smith was fired earlier uh, this evening now in the morning if you're listening and we're going to piece this one with the uh, minnesota chicago game because that was just another one that meant nothing Vikings started some guys pulled offensive starters and they cruised and covered the spread yeah vikings win their 13th game for only the third time ever still finished with a negative point differential kirk cousins final play of the regular season was the last play for halftime where he threw it short of the end zone and the vikings ran the field goal unit on and couldn't get the kickoff in time that's the only takeaway here is this that what else for the Vikings Texans Colts somehow was the game of the day. Like the one game that nobody wanted any part of betting, watching any of it. Houston goes up 10, nothing. We're back and forth all game. We're freaking out because the bears clearly are tanking. The bears were losing all the way. Chicago's in line to get the number one pick. Surely they won't. And then of course, finally we get a pick six from Davis mills, who I think took the interception crown and then Moali Cox, nice touchdown. Indy finally takes the lead. We're looking safe. Davis Mills, our man, 300 yards almost, three touchdowns, including basically a fourth and 20 Hail Mary to Jordan Akins. That, like, I don't even know. Like, a Hail Mary is a prayer. Literally, that's what a Hail Mary means. I don't know who's praying more. Like, the Colts are praying that it completed because they don't want a good quarterback in their division. Lovey Smith comes through for the Bears. Jordan Akins catches it and gets the two-point conversion for the win, the octopus, as we call it on Twitter. So just ridiculous. Ridiculous way to end the season for these teams. The Colts, I think, probably move up a spot or two, so good for them. I don't don't know. Like Honestly, straight up, this is a franchise cripplingly stupid ending for the Texans season. You cannot give away the number one pick and lose control Look, I know there's good quarterbacks. You lost all season to earn the right to choose which quarterback you want. You don't just take the one left over. Somebody's going to end up going ahead of them now, and Houston has to live with it for the next decade. But let me tell you something. Spite, spite is a real thing. And Lovey Smith, let me tell you, (laughs) that's pretty magical for him. Oh, you're going to fire me? Well, F you and your number one pick. We're going to go out and win this game. (laughs) That's how I look at it. So, yes, Chicago slated to get the number one pick in the 2023 NFL draft, and then Houston number two. So that was uh, worth discussing briefly. Okay, back to Saturday. Jill, Chiefs and Raiders. This was really a laugher. Kansas City took an early lead and never looked back. 31-13, they cover nine and a half. This dropped to eight, eight and a half uh, just before kickoff. KC is your one C. We won't see them this weekend. Yeah, KC covers a big spread. And really, I mean, you could sum up this game 
just uh, with the ring around the rosy play call, like talk about like not respecting your opponent at all, like you know, and why should yeah. they like, you know, Jared Stidham had more rushing yards than Josh Jacobs in this game. So uh, Raiders call good, good way to wrap it up. Chiefs, good way to wrap it up. Yeah, that's a great point too. the spread Patrick Mahomes when he's a three point favorite or fewer, his record is substantially above 500 but when he's a three and a half point uh, under three and a half point favorite or greater um meaning not inside that number that key number of three um not very good against the spread but this week they uh they handled their business one by 18 points brandon baltimore cincinnati while well, we talked about buffalo and new england had buffalo lost somehow which that was possible when the patriots were winning 17 14 cincinnati could have got the two but they f- fell into three they jumped out to an early lead here in Baltimore. Anthony Brown, my God. Yeah, no coin flip necessary. Cincinnati made it very clear they're unhappy with that scenario. We got what has to be the first ever coin flip touchdown celebration that the Bengals pulled off, and uh, that's it. That's the takeaway from this game. Actually, the, the one thing is right guard Alex Kappa for the Bengals went out with an injury that looks pretty bad to me. Lyle Collins, right tackle, is already out. That is the right side of your line that maybe are both out now for the playoffs. That is not the time that you want to be losing half of your line. Look, Kappa's not great, but this is what the Bengals did. Remember last year, nine sacks in one playoff game. Yeah. Like this was the big Achilles heel for them. And this, it, it worries me a little bit with those injuries cropping up together. Um, I'll add it. The final score was 27, 16. If you bet this game, right. <laughs> when they put Anthony Brown, uh, when he was announced the starter, if you got 11 and a half, whoo, nice hit. If you took the Ravens plus 11 and a half, if you didn't take the Ravens, hopefully you bet Cincinnati at nine and a half or 10 and a half. Um, but yeah, the, the Ravens cover uh, by, by the hook. So good on you. If you, you had that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Chill on to your Dallas Cowboys. They look terrible. They looked terrible. 26 to 6. Commanders, uh, was it, they were a seven-point underdog, got up to seven and a half. They cover, went outright. Dallas was, uh, I think, was scoreboard watching, I think, by the end of that one. Yeah, by the first half, you saw the Eagles were up about 16-0 on the Giants. The Giants weren't moving the ball at all. I'm not going to defend the Cowboys and their effort, but I would definitely say it felt like they were maybe holding their punches. Uh, I would just say that. Now I would also say that uh, Dak Prescott, if you're going to throw interceptions, we're not going to win at all. Like he now tied Davis Mills for the most interceptions in the NFL. He also locked in the most profitable quarterback for interception props. If you would just blindly bet one unit in every game he had started, you would have won 8.1 units. Wow. I I forgot those early days of this podcast and more so the best bets. We were talking interceptions with Matt Ryan. Well, Matt Ryan can't throw picks when he's on the bench, right? So good for Matt Ryan in that regard. Giants, Eagles, and that's a direct reflection, Brandon, of that uh, result. Uh, Philadelphia getting the bye, 22-16. Giants do cover, though, the big spread. They rested most of their guys. Yeah, we got Davis Mills and Gary Brightwell playing QB and running back for the Giants. But look, you're going to see the spread or see the final score and be like, oh man, the Eagles, they're really stumbling in. Now, nah, Eagles are up 19 nothing with a minute until the fourth quarter. The Giants, I didn't feel like really ever threatened them. We did get an onside kick. The Eagles recover, run the clock out. To me, the game was basically a microcosm of this last month of the season. The Eagles had the one seed all the way. We always knew it was coming. We had some drama, but was it really ever that dramatic? We just kind of eventually got there the same way. Jalen Hurts played. 
didn't look great, but maybe that's good. Get the rust out of the way. My takeaway, another futures win for us, all of us at Action, really. On our pod, we gave out Eagles for most wins, plus 2,000. They tied the Chiefs for that. Eagles one seed was plus 1,200. We hit that. I was on Eagles division, and I think just about everyone at Action Network, I think Simon was on that. I think DeBunda was on it. Raybon or Stucky, maybe both of them. So a lot of Eagles futures out there. We've got Sirianni, 20 to 1 for Coach of the Year. Hopefully you got in on some of those Eagles futures, and then obviously they're the one seed. So you got to like your futures as we get back to the playoff bracket later for NFC or Super Bowl. Jill, I wonder if it's the last time. Well, it's definitely the last time for us, but is it the last time for everybody, even you, the listener, to talk about Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? His team gets thumped. 38-13, Niners win. They cover 14 and a half. Is it bye-bye Cliff? It should be. I, I, I mean, if they weren't so be. financially tied into him and Kyler, like I would start over, but – that's what they that's the hand they dealt themselves. And this is what we're gonna go, do is go into the offseason with another Kingsbury coaching system. And yeah, I, I'm gonna see the rest of my time. Brandon, do you think this is Kingsbury's last game? You've been one of the more uh vocal critics of his coaching style in the NFL. I mean, I certainly hope so. I don't know. I don't know why they would keep him around at this point. A producer, Matt Mitchell, with his Kingsbury second half collapse stat and, and more losses for the Cardinals down the stretch here. Just, I don't know. Get him, get him out of here. What are we doing? It's bad there is no Kyler for next year. Also, I, this I don't even want to think about the Cardinals anymore. The NFC South special <laughs> frozen pizza, where you can get it for well, how many wins to win that division? Eight. You can get it for seven ninety nine. How about that at like, your local like grocery it. store? <laughs> Because of the win total for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this division, so the game meant nothing for Tampa. They lose to the Falcons. Now, Tampa did get off to a good start, and they played their starters, and then they took everybody out because, again, the game meant nothing. They're going to play Dallas this weekend. They want, you know, Tom Brady historically likes to play the final week of the year in some fashion. 30-17 Atlanta. They cover the four-and-a-half-point spread. They were favorites. And then Carolina-New Orleans, the final score was 10-7. Carolina, an outright underdog winner. Uh, your takeaway from this slog it was kind of a slog really for the league, in my opinion, all year. But Brandon, any uh, this was a slog of a division this year. This was. Uh, we don't have to think about this division anymore. The Buccaneers are the fourth team ever to win their division below 500 or I think, yeah, at, at or below 500. They're eight and nine. They finished somehow with the worst point differential in the division, in that division. So not great. Tom Brady's first season ever as a starter below 500. Tampa had 12 first downs in this game against the Falcons, who don't play defense. So, yeah, not great. Uh, Jill, I think you had Michael Pruitt, a big touchdown hit uh, for Ritter, got his first touchdown there. What was the number you had on on Pruitt? He was at plus 500, which is hilarious. Uh, but uh, that was the reason why I took him, was because the Buccaneers struggle against <laughs> slot receivers and tight ends, and that might be something we see uh, when they play the Cowboys uh, next week. Yeah, so... That's it for Bucks. Walk-off field goal for the Panthers. Steve Wilkes goes 6-6. Six and six. Matt Rule apparently was even worse than we gave him credit for. The Panthers finished second in the division. Sam Darnold, 5 of 15 for 43 yards and a winning effort. Congratulations to that. The only Panthers touchdown was scored by Michael Jordan, the GOAT, Frostport. <laughs> he plays baseball. He scores touchdowns for the Panthers. I never heard of him before. He's apparently a backup O-lineman, recovered a fumble. Congrats, Michael Jordan. Get me ready for buckets over on the NBA feed coming soon. How about that? Wow. The, the Even the Matt Rule days of this podcast, like that feels like forever ago. <laughs> we were talking about Matt Rule. He won't be a favorite again this year. And that discussion we had, that was a good one, Brandon. That was good. I mean, and then Matt Rule, I mean, Matt, I mean Kingsbury should blame Matt Rule because then when Rule left, we just picked on Kingsbury. So uh, poor Cliff in, in that regard. And uh, last, and, and certainly, definitely, deservingly least, uh, instead of uh, let's ride into the sunset, it's let's ride into the basement. The Broncos did win, though, tonight. They did, 31-28. They beat the Chargers. The Chargers, uh, they did cover. Six and a half was the uh, final line. The Chargers found out that the game won't mean much. And, uh, Jill, uh, the floor is yours on the Denver Broncos. 
Well, before I start on the Broncos, I want to say that this is a terrible week for McVay and McVay disciples because we saw Matt LaFleur have kind of like a coaching brain fart and, and not having his team prepared against the Lions. And then we just saw Brandon Staley today be the biggest fucking idiot I've ever seen playing his starters deep into this game. You got Mike Williams, pretty much his back broken. He doesn't even need to be out there. Keenan Allen catching a touchdown at the end of the game to help the Chargers cover the plus six and a half. So kudos to anybody who waited to grab the uh, Chargers right there at the last minute, seeing the line flip once they saw the result from the Ravens and Bengals. Uh, but yeah, this was uh, such a turn of events because if you even think just a little over a year ago about how much we praised Brandon Staley as this you know, the new type of coach, you know, a leader of men. And we can't wait to run this guy out of town because of how stupid he was today. And now moving over to the Broncos side, I honestly think Russ might've did a little enough today to likely convince people I'm buying low on Broncos stock in the off season. Maybe like a worst to first type of scenario that Brandon likes to bet on and, you know, looking at their win totals because, now, I'm not going to be one of those people, but I'm just saying that they have done that where, the, you know, Russ throws for three touchdowns, you know, ending the season on a on a good note. But either way, thankfully, that is the last Broncos recap of the season for myself. You know, if he played in any other division than the AFC West. No, I don't want to hear it. No, I'm dismissing that. What? He, he's done. Russell Wilson, if he played in any other division, he would be good. No, no, I was going to say, no, 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 no. I was going to say the worst to first thing you, you follow. Like if I would be more into that, but you play with Mahomes and Herbert. Right. Right. Like I agree. You're not going to, that, that's all Mahomes. I was getting. At. No, I'm, not going I, there. I'm, I'm too feisty, man. Right now you get me talking about Broncos every week. And by, by 18 weeks of talking about this team, uh, I'm just very agitated. And the last thing I'll mention, and we'll move on to our playoff preview, both conferences uh, with wildcard weekend approaching. No Monday night football tomorrow. And, of course, this is our version of the look ahead. Last thing I'll say, too, Brandon Staley, a year ago now, week 18 against the Raiders, the, the tie we were all hyped up about. He got a lot of crap last year, too, for going for it in his own end, uh, deep in his own territory. Uh, so this, it doesn't really surprise me with this guy. I think he's done a good job staying. He, look, it's easy to stay hidden in Los Angeles. No one really cares. And then when you do stuff like that, people like Joe Gallant air and they're offended. So good job, fellas. That's uh, the last of the frozen pizzas, the last of our recaps in the regular season. So uh, let's, let's get into the playoff picture. That's what we're going to do now for the uh, next bit of the podcast, because uh, the, the lines are out. We've got the FanDuel Sportsbook pulled up. The, the lines are posted. Totals are still kind of filing in. Uh, some are not posted, but we've got lines up for these games. The schedule is also out for this uh, coming weekend. I'll give you the schedule and then we'll dive in. We'll just go right in order of the schedule uh, as opposed to going conference by conference. We'll just go schedule because that's how you folks watch the games. That's how you consume it. Just like us. We'll go right in order. So Seattle, San Francisco, 430 Saturday. L.A., Jacksonville, 815 on Saturday. The Sunday lineup, Miami, Buffalo, New York, Minnesota, Baltimore, Cincinnati. And then Monday night is Dallas and Tampa. Brandon, we'll start with Seattle Island. I actually like this idea, starting Seattle Island, drifting to San Francisco. These teams met twice, of course, as division foes. The Niners handled their business twice. The line is currently 10, and the total sitting at 43 and a half. San Fran's the favorite. What are your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately, the hot read on this one was the 49ers, literally the second that it opened, because we had some minus six, minus six and a half, which was, a big mistake because those got scooped up in a hurry. We hit seven, we hit eight, we're at 10. It probably will keep rising. And I think it's rising correctly. <laughs> the tide has risen on the Seahawks on Seattle Island all year. Look, the Niners are the red hot team in the NFL. Brock Purdy hasn't lost. It's a home game against a team that can't tackle. Teams that can't tackle are not who you want to play the 49ers against. That's not going to go well. So... Weird schedule thing. Like, why did we put the one West Coast game as the earliest Saturday game? Very strange to me. I don't know about that, but I don't have a great angle here. The angle was to grab the Niners as quickly as you could. It's maybe like a teaser spot if we can get to a better number. But yeah, it's hard for me to see anything but a 49ers win and probably a, a rolling win like the Niners have been beating everyone else lately. 
Jill, we're not quite in the uh, touchdown availability, of course, because mm-hmm. these lines were just posted. Um, I will add that if you go to scoring under winning margin, San Fran 14 plus is at plus 110. Um, so, yeah, I think this uh, this is, of course, those aren't, those aren't great odds in comparison to the 10. My point is, is I think this is, to Brandon's point, this could this is very well moving in San Fran's direction, it feels like. Oh, absolutely. And when it's opening at six and a half and then going to eight and a half, and we're even just talking about it through Slack of like, watch the line and it's already at 10 and a half. And then it might've bounced back down to 10, but you're probably going to see it hover around this line for a while. And yeah, just San Francisco just outmatches them in nearly every way. Even if, even if you have a rookie quarterback who looks like he's 12, you know, playing the fact that <laughs> it's a ready set. I I've talked about this, like when they were playing the Raiders, even though they didn't cover that spread, just that this team is pretty much almost like a set it and forget it type of team, like where you can have a game manager style of quarterback and still succeed. And uh, I think right now from a touchdown matchup standpoint, I'll be looking right at George Kittle. And I imagine he's probably going to be anywhere between the plus 150 to plus 175 range in that game. Chargers Jaguars is the late game on Saturday night. So Brandon, you were in on the Jags to go worst to first. They they finished the job, even though you felt, no, well, they probably didn't deserve it, but they did it. And they deserve credit for that. They're playing again on Saturday night at home. So they get a full week, a regular week of rest. And they're welcoming in the Chargers, a team that they destroyed 38 to 10 in week three. Yeah, I'm going the exact opposite way. This this is my hot read right now. Hot rock. Blue 17. Oh, nice rights. Ice cream. Jose. Blue the Raiders. 19 seven. 19. Give me the Chargers minus one and a half. I don't know if you need to take it right away. Traditional hot read is that we think the line's going to move against you. You want to grab the value there. This one's been bet down. It opened Chargers two and a half, and it's starting to fade a little bit. So I don't know if you need to grab it right away. I wouldn't be shocked if Jacksonville ends up being favored, but I mean, the Chargers are the right favorite. It's a great matchup for the Chargers. Now, I know they got trounced last time, but week three is a long time ago, and I have crapped on the Chargers all season long. But I noticed as I was kind of prepping for this home stretch here, coming out of the bye, the Chargers played seven games before the bye. Jerry Tillery was a big problem for this defense, not in a good way. They got rid of him. They got healthy a little bit. The J.C. Jackson thing early in the season, in and out, they figured that out, just he wasn't around anymore. Since the bye week, coming into today, Chargers ranked second in passing defense by DVOA. The one thing the Jacksonville Jaguars do really well is pass the ball. But if you're going to hang your hat on Jacksonville, it's because of Trevor Lawrence. Why well, definitely rather have Justin Herbert than Trevor Lawrence? No matter how good you think Lawrence is right now, you still want Herbert. And the Chargers' pass defense matches up well. The Jaguars' pass defense is bottom five. So you're going to have a great pass defense against a effectively rookie, considering how we've treated Lawrence all year with last year gone. And, and on the other side, you got Herbert should be able to pass all over this team if he has receivers. Hopefully, Mike Williams is somewhere out there. But at least Keenan Allen, I think he's the more important guy. So I, I love this for the Chargers. I love this matchup. Jill, both you and I were on Chargers early. We talked about them for futures. We wanted this five-seed slot. I still see 11-1 to 1 AFC. This is the reason. You get this matchup here. Then you play the Chiefs, who they went wire to wire with both times, who Herbert and Staley have really had answers to hang around against the Chiefs. I think they're dangerous there. I don't want to go all in on the Chiefs. I think I want just the AFC not Super Bowl because I want to have some options to hedge later on if we do get out of there. But I like them a lot in this matchup. I think they're better in all three phases. They got the better quarterback. The D is playing great. I think it's a great spot. It's my favorite bet on the slate right now. Yeah, I think the one thing I would say is obviously if you're going to be betting on an AFC championship future, for example, uh, you want at least to try to bet on one one of the team that is going to win and move in advance. So if you had to choose between the Chargers and the Jaguars, you're looking at 11 to 1 for the Chargers or a 21 to 1 for the Jags. I don't think it's a very difficult choice to want to maybe back the Chargers in this spot. I, I think the Titans game, I think the one thing that we maybe glossed over when we recapped it is just the offense was not very sharp. Like, yes, they had they got the defensive touchdown, but 
you know, they only put up 13 points in offense. One of the scores that they had was actually uh, like a turnover in the, in uh, the Titans own territory from Josh Dobbs. So I'm not saying that uh, Herbert might not have a little bit of turnover prone here, but at the same time, there's just too many edges for the chargers in this spot. I think from a touchdown perspective, if I'm betting on this game, uh, I'd be looking at a guy like Gerald Everett. He did score this past week on week 18. And uh, that is one of the phases, especially in the slot that the Jaguars do struggle with Uh, from a Jaguar standpoint, you got to look at Trevor Lawrence immediately because the chargers, even though they have been really good against the pass, they are still struggling against the run. And that is one spot where, if, if the, the Jags are going to have any success, that's where they got to have it. And I would rather put my money on Lawrence and Etienne. And when you look at the Jaguars here, second half of the year, their two offensive outbursts were like second half rallies, Ravens, Ravens. Cowboys, um, just not a complete package team. Um, they did beat the line, uh, the Titans rather handedly. You're talking about the game that they played uh, the first time around. Um, well, and even that yeah. Chargers game, the first time they played, like Justin Herbert had broken ribs in that game too. So right. that's, that's another right. thing, uh, that we shouldn't overlook. That's a good call by you, um, Jill. So that line sitting at one and a half. Uh, some folks at action are on the uh, looking at the over right now as well. Um, that creeps up right now. It's at 47. So uh, keep an eye on the total as well. On to Sunday, Dolphins Bills. They meet again, round three in Buffalo. Bills are a 10 point favorite. Uh, this is complicated because we don't really know yet who the quarterback is for Miami and Brandon will get to that. Remember, just kind of take folks back in time. These teams met week three, hot as hell in Miami in September. We all know that, but then you actually watch the game and you're like, Oh yeah, these guys are really tired. They ran 90 plays in that game. So Buffalo just looked gassed. If you recall some, Funky stuff at the end by the Buffalo offense. Miami won the game 21-19. They were a home dog. And then in week 15, um, Buffalo barely escaped 32-29, your final. So Miami covered twice. They won outright in one of these games. But the big question is who the quarterback is. Yeah, and both games really classics. That week 15 game was the snow globe game that we got just the perfect Buffalo setting, just the big flakes coming down at the end. So as a fan, as a neutral, hopefully we keep the the trend up. We've had two awesome games between these two teams. Right now, the Bills are 10-point favorites because we just saw Skylar Thompson like barely remember to throw the ball forward most of the time. So, yeah, I don't know how you can really bet this one until we get a better feel for which quarterback. Even if it is Tua, which I have my doubts about because of all the concussion problems this year. Don't forget, though, that's not necessarily a cure-all. Because the offense, even with him, had really been struggling down the stretch too. So my instinct is I'm going to probably wait on this one, maybe end up doing like a Dolphins team total under. That's where I went with today. I just don't have a lot of confidence in this team scoring points right now. Um, Miami has really, like, look, they, they nearly tightened their way out of the season. They only got in by that late field goal here. Otherwise, I think we'd be thinking a very similar story about them. So... Uh, my question on this one, we had a lot of uh, a lot of unknowns this week about yep. what's going to happen with the one seed and the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs and all of that because, of course, they canceled the Monday night game and they had to kind of make up some new rules. So one of the new things is if the Bills do make the AFC championship game, if they beat the Dolphins and then presumably would probably play the Bengals again, then we got a neutral site. So we're not doing Chiefs because they're they're off next week. If we end up with that Bills-Chiefs game, I'm curious who you guys think that a neutral site helps more. Not necessarily like, well, I would be at Kansas City. We don't know. We don't know where it would have been at. So which team, you know, January football style of play, do you think the Chiefs or the Bills, Jill, benefit more from a neutral site game? I think I have to go with the Bills because – I think I would pose it as a different answer. Like which team doesn't hurt the most. I think it hurts the chiefs the most to not play an arrowhead. If they were playing the AFC title game, they played there the last four straight years. Right. So they're used to playing in that kind of environment and they're the type of team. I think that feeds on that type of energy. So not to say that playing at a neutral field, they wouldn't be able to be uh, just as efficient offensively, but yeah, I think the chiefs have more to lose and the bills have more to gain if it was at a neutral site. Okay, on to Giants-Vikings. This is the final game of Sunday. Yes. No, pardon me. Middle game of Sunday. Giants-Vikings. 
Oh, here we are again. Vikings laying three, just like they did week 16. Brandon, they're at home. And, uh, well, the Giants, they were, I think there were some fours, fours, four and a halfs out there for the week 16 game. But you saw three, three and a half. And I, I think myself, I was on three and a half at the time, week 16. Greg Joseph has to hit a 61-yard field goal for those lucky son of bitches Vikings to escape again. And they're laying three. So I feel like. Folks are what they're going to wait for the three and a half, right? Is it, could it get to three and a half? I mean, it could, but yeah, I, I sure want to wait for it as a better, as a, someone telling you how to bet when this hits three and a half, you have got to be on the giants here because you have to be wanting that spot off of the key number. Even without, I think the giants are probably going to end up being the play. And that's the problem is where I think we're more likely to get to the two and a half than the three, because I think even at plus three, we're going to see some giants money come in. Every team, both or every game, both of these teams played all year was a one score game. Basically, like the Vikings won today by more than one score for literally the second time all season. We were talking about that, that if you flip all the one score standings, the Vikings finished the season two and 15 at the bottom of the entire NFL. So I, when this game happened last time, I did that funky thing we've talked about a couple of times where I played both sides to win by six. It hit last time. We got the Greg Joseph walk-off winner. I feel like I'm probably just going to end up doing that again. Of, of course, we're going to have a one-score game. It's the Giants and the Vikings. They can't do anything other than that. I think it's a good teaser spot for the Giants, even at three, because you get that up to nine. All right, all you need is anything that's a one-score game. Who cares after that? So that's an easy one. I don't think this game, like I'm a Vikings fan, of course, this game is not relevant to anything important from a standpoint of neither of these teams winning the Super Bowl. The relevance is this. The Giants are alive. The Giants absolutely can win outright. If they do, it drastically changes the rest of the NFC picture because now the Giants probably go to Philadelphia in their opening game and the Eagles essentially are getting a bye week into the NFC championship where they're at home. That's great. We just saw how that went today for them. And now Brock Purdy has to play either Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, or Dallas, and all the pass rush, Dak Prescott. San Fran certainly wants Minnesota to win this game and would be happy to host the Vikings. And I would cry about the, the punishment my Vikings would take in that game. If the Giants pull off the upset here, this would, if you like the Giants here, you should like the Eagles to win the, the NFC much more. Hmm. Good way of looking at it. Um, Giants, by the way, the most profitable team in the NFL this year against the spread. They were 13 and four against the number this year. And a lot of those spots are the one they're in this weekend. Underdog, short underdog in a lot of cases. Jill, what do you think? Second matchup between the Giants and Vikings. And uh, it came down to a field goal last time. Yeah, I think this game is going to break the Action Network uh, luck rankings uh, because <laughs> usually uh, like our uh, colleagues, uh, Nick Giffen and Sean Kerner, you know, they'll recommend like, oh, this team uh, based on the luck standings. Well, there's going to be no edge on that because both of those teams have lucked into kind of being where they are in the playoffs in the NFC. I think I'm just going to have to take Giants money line. I'm sorry, Brandon, but like, it's just right now the game was so close last time. The Giants have just a horseshoe up their ass and I'm going to shoehorn that horseshoe right up to my bookie's ass as I bet this game. <laughs> Can't blame you. Can't blame you, but your poor bookie. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. And it's not quite prime time for Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's just, a standalone game, right? But it's 4.30. There, there is a little bit of, uh, maybe in Minnesota at 4.30, there's no light. They are inside, but uh, not quite under the lights uh, at that point yet for Kirk Cousins. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
Okay, on to the Sunday night game this coming weekend, wildcard weekend. Baltimore, Cincinnati, they just played each other, right? We just saw these teams face each other. Brandon, they were matched up in week five at Baltimore, came down to the end. Ravens won on a Justin Tucker field goal, 19 to 17. And once again, I ask you, well, I, I'll, I'm asking you, I'm kind of playing dumb here because I want you to explain it, but is the number, which is six, the the, the Ravens are a six-point underdog. Now it's up to six and a half as we talk to you now, late night Sunday, early Monday morning. Um, is this baked, is this Lamar Jackson news baked in, meaning Lamar is playing or not playing? I, I think we're hedging. I think we're in the middle on this one, kind of waiting this one out to see if he ends up playing I think we don't know yet. And the problem is, even if he does play, it's been ages since he played. Like, we don't know what version of Lamar Jackson we're getting. So you have to kind of bake that into it as well. We, we don't necessarily just get MVP Lamar Jackson back out here. Dude hasn't even practiced yet. Yeah. Like, I hate to go out Allen Iverson, but we're talking about practice here, right? Like, you if you can't even practice, you're not going to go out and, like, do Lamar Jackson things running all over the field and being the entire offense, but at the same time, I think we're probably going to end up on the Ravens on this game because it's a divisional game, re- divisional rematch in the playoffs, often stay very close. If the Ravens had tried today, what I would have expected was a low-scoring, defensive, slog sort of game that, you know, that's what John Harbaugh does. And I think we at least have to expect Tyler Huntley next week, not Anthony Brown like today and some of the other Ravens guys trying. And Huntley, if I remember right, every game Huntley has played in has been at least three points or less, or they've won outright. Uh, I think all but one have been that way. So I think we're getting at least Huntley. If it's Huntley, I will probably like the Ravens to cover here, but the Bengals maybe to find a way or maybe a second half play. If it's Lamar Jackson, if he actually looks good to go, the Ravens are live to to win this game and maybe more just because they are a different team and different teams in the playoffs are always a little difficult. You never know when you might get the right matchup. Ravens run the ball really well and a lot, a lot of times, and they defend well. They defend the run well. And if you can stop the run and run the ball in January in a league where no one really cares about running anymore, but the best way to keep the Josh Allens and Mahomes and Herberts and all those other AFC quarterbacks of the world off the scoreboard is over on the sidelines while you're just running the ball all game long. So oh, I'm, I'm intrigued here. I'm intrigued by Baltimore. They look like trash right now. They can't score at all. But if it goes right, I think there's a chance here where they could surprise a little bit. Yeah, and the Ravens did not play the Chiefs in the regular season this year. So that's a matchup we haven't seen um, and with Lamar and no Lamar. They just didn't face <laughs> each other at all. So I have to laugh because they didn't play this year, but I recall something like three straight years, I have been absolutely confident if you would build a team to beat the Chiefs, you would build these Baltimore Ravens. Uh-huh. And I back them and I'm ready every year. And every year I get pantsed and the Chiefs just take care of business against the, the Ravens. So hopefully for the sake of my wallet, I don't get suckered back into that one. But I have to laugh because I I know that one's been a thorn in my side. So I will be very interested. I know Stucky over on Six Pack is always has very clear thoughts on the Ravens. I would be very interested to see what he thinks of this team's chances. Jill, when you... Look at this matchup, two teams that just faced each other but could look very different based on starters being rested and the Lamar Jackson situation. What jumps out to you? I think if you think that Lamar Jackson is going to play, you take the Ravens spread right now. If you don't think he's going to play, you take the Bengals and you get it in ASAP because the line closed today at 11 and a half in this matchup. And I think if Lamar plays, it'll probably maybe drop to five, four and a half. I think it would probably be around there if it's around six, six and a half. So that's kind of what it is right now is that it's more about your your uh, conviction. If you feel that Lamar is going to play, grab it. If you don't, then you better grab the Bengals now because as soon as Anthony Brown or Tyler Huntley get announced, that line is going to shoot up even more on the Bengals side. All right. And then finally, Monday night, Cowboys, Bucks, Tampa, Home dog, Tom Brady, a home dog in the playoffs. Wow. Cowboys are laying three at Tampa. 
They met in week one. These two teams met week one. Bucks won 19-3. Same night that Dak Prescott got hurt. And I I think we all, that was our first time together doing the recap show. And I think I was like, we were all losing our minds about this. But uh, turns out Dak came back. And um, while he hasn't played great, I know Jill talked about this earlier, the interceptions have been uh, not good. We'll start with Jill on this one. Jill, what do you think? Cowboys laying three on the road. I think it's a fair line based on what we've seen between both of these teams. But the fact that I am a Cowboys fan and immediately put money down on the Buccaneers money line just shows like the faith that I have in this team right now is that they're kind of stumbling into the playoffs. Like once the seed was locked in, like once they got the double digit wins, it almost kind of feels like they were just, you know, trying to just tread water to get to the playoffs. It's almost like they knew that they couldn't get the one seed from the Eagles at this point. So you could argue that this is the matchup that you wanted, but I don't think so. This is not a type of defense that you want to face, especially with how uh, they've kind of ramped up their intensity and they're the type of offense that could take advantage of Dallas's incompetencies on defense, especially over the slot with a guy like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I think they could really take advantage of them there. So yeah, I, I think the bucks win this game, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, I I'm going to probably weep in my pillow on Monday night. Oh, um, that's too bad. Well, you can weep on the podcast too when we do the recap show after uh, Monday night, if you want. Immediately after that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually going to be fantastic to get raw, <laughs> emotional Jill, no matter what, win or loss. Or raw, emotional Tom Brady lover with a loss uh, when you're hosting. That's true. So win win for me. Either way, I get to just laugh <laughs> at one of y'all losing your team for the year. I think that this is a pretty good matchup for Tampa Bay. The thing that you love about Dallas, if you think Dallas can make a run still, and like I was on Green Dot Daily like a month or a month and a half ago backing Dallas for the run, you like their pass rush. You like how they can get after the passer, but Tampa Bay gets the ball out so fast because that's Tom Brady's thing that that kind of neutralizes the Micah Parsons factor, and Dallas's pass defense has not been good at all. Like defending the pass, Tom Brady, I think, could have a throwback game a little bit here and uh, put up some real numbers on this team. Tampa Bay's defense also hasn't been good down the stretch, so maybe we get an uh, an over here. Uh, I'm curious. I, I don't have the total. Do you have a total on this game right now? Uh, 45 and a half on FanDuel. Interesting. Yeah, I would I, instinctively I would lean over on that. I want to look a little bit before I play, but yeah, my prediction for this game is just something stupid is going to happen. That's it. Something ridiculous is going to happen to Look one of last these year, teams. Dallas last year against yeah, San absolutely. Francisco. Like you can just, I could script a hundred so. different ways for this game to play out and end. And every single one of them would be believable because it's Tom Brady. It's Dak Prescott. It's Jerry Jones. Every narrative coming out of this game will be delightful. I think it'll be a fun one. I, Tampa is way better at home. The offense especially is way better at home. <sighs> I hate to do it, but we've been trashing the Bucs. I trashed them like half an hour ago on this podcast, but I think it's probably a Tampa spot. Again, looks like a pretty good teaser leg to me. If you get Tampa up to plus nine, it's hard to imagine Tom Brady just getting blown out to end the season, especially with the Dallas pass defense, just because I think that back door would be open for plenty of points. But to me, the NFC is not as exciting as the AFC. I think it's hard to see anything but San Fran at Philly in the NFC title game. If it's not, it's got to be this game, right? It's got to be one of these two teams that makes the run. One of these teams is going to lose. That's great for Brandon, the fan. But one of them is going to win and then be very dangerous in the next round against whoever it is that they face. I don't know. I probably won't go too crazy betting on this one, but I will be terrified of whoever wins going on a run after that just because the narratives will go out of control. Can I add, though, too, to Brandon's point? If, if Dallas wins, don't they kind of get the monkey off their back? Like, all right, we got the playoff win. Like, no, it's got to be an it's got to be an NFC title game appearance or nothing. Uh, it's got to be at least that for the season not to be considered a disappointment. I, I disagree. I, I think that whoever wins this game is going to be dangerous. Like, as the as the futures analyst, I suspect coming out of this weekend's game, whoever wins this game is going to be the team that has the best odds for a futures bet going forward. Just because you're still going to have Tom and look, Dak sucks with all the interceptions he's been throwing, but, and I know it doesn't, this doesn't work this way, but if you do non turnover plays, 
the other plays, the rest of the game, Dak is basically a second only to Patrick Mahomes on EPA, DVOA, all those numbers. The turnovers count, but they're right there. Take one or two mistakes away for the game, and Dallas is still really good, and Tampa finally is getting a little healthier. They got to rest today. These teams are dangerous. I just wish nothing but laughs for them on Monday night, but I'm going to have fun watching and then be as scared crapless after that of whoever comes out. And we will be here to talk about it for the wild card weekend recap episode, best bets episode of the action network podcast. Also coming your way later this week from the six games taking place this weekend. That will do it for us, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to our playoff coverage and doing a deeper dive into all of it, uh, both conferences as we work our way towards the Super Bowl. Joe Gallant, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen, Uh, Thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast, Week 18 NFL Recap, Wild Card Weekend Preview episode. We are presented by FanDuel. We'll talk to you all again very soon. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.